3: This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: Back on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg here on v the Sports Betting Network. You can always hit me up on Twitter, at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Uh, we're going to talk to Chris Landry, football scout coach and consultant. Coming up about 15 minutes or so from now, we'll talk about... Uh, the Browns with Deshaun Watson, uh, or without Deshaun Watson, as uh, the latest is that the hearing is going to resume on Thursday. And that'll be the third day of the hearing with the NFL's independent arbiter. And we will wait and find out exactly what the suspension is going to be. Uh, The way that I view this whole scenario is that it's about who's going to budge first. You see, the NFL hands uh, a suggestion and says, um, we think it should be at least a year. And Deshaun Watson's sitting here going, uh, I shouldn't be suspended for anything, right? Like, I'm innocent. There was no criminal charges. These women are just coming after my money, and I've already paid off 20 of them. No criminal wrongdoing. Don't suspend me. Now, I know that it goes much deeper than that. And that's what the NFL and the and, and the lawyers and everyone's trying to uh, prove here. And this could go on for a while or until someone budges. And that's what I think is what's happening here. So you got the NFL saying a year. You got Watson saying nothing. No year. No time at all. Which side comes back to the other and says, I'm willing to settle? Is it Watson who says, cut this thing to half a season? I drop this right now, and I take the half a game. I take the eight-game suspension. Or is it the NFL that goes to Watson and says, hey, forget about the whole year that we're pushing. How about eight games? And then does Watson accept that? I think that's what both sides are kind of waiting for, is to see who budges first. But right now, we haven't seen any of that, and uh, this hearing is going to resume on Thursday for a third consecutive day. Uh, That's the latest with the Deshaun Watson saga. And, you know, thinking about just the landscape of the NFL and really the landscape of the quarterbacks, like if you were to rank the quarterbacks, okay, and, and, and think about this where does Deshaun Watson rank amongst quarterbacks going into this season? You know, that's a legit question. Like, where does Deshaun Watson rank? Because the last time we saw this guy, he was pretty ridiculous, right? Like, Deshaun Watson had, he really, the last season that we saw him, he was really good for the Texans. Like, I I feel like because we haven't seen him in a year, it's like he's out of sight, out of mind. But this is a guy who threw for almost 5,000 yards with the Texans. He had a 33 to seven touchdown to interception ratio. The 2020 Texans. I mean, that was a that was a good Deshaun Watson was good, man. Especially that year. You know, they and, and they weren't even a good football team. But Watson had a good season. You know and, and and there was they were only a couple of years removed from being a 10-win football team. You know, things kind of broke down for them real quick. But for Watson, you know, he had like I said, he, he played uh, 16 games in 2020, 4823 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, his best season in the NFL. Played 15 games the year before that, 3800 yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. The year before that, 4,100 yards, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He's coming off of, well, 2020 was his best season. Where does Deshaun Watson rank if he was playing a full season here? Is he... (sighs) Is he the tenth? Is he top ten? Like think, of, okay, so let's go through this. Let's do let's do the whole, let's do the whole list here, right? Let's go Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, right? Brady and Rogers, top four. Order them however you want. Okay? Those are your top four. Your next group of guys is like Justin Herbert. Um, I mean, Matt Stafford, right? Um, So Herbert, Stafford. Are we putting Joe Burrow in there? You almost have to put Joe Burrow in there, right, on the season that he had last year. So let's go Herbert, Stafford, Burrow, and Russell Wilson. That's the next tier. Those are your next four. All right? So we have the top eight guys now. In the NFL. And those, look at that. It's probably the top eight guys in the, uh, right there in the MVP odds. Look at that. No coincidence there. Top eight quarterbacks in the league. Top eight MVP odds. Who's nine and who's 10? Is it, I'll give you some options. Dak Prescott. Lamar Jackson. Deshaun Watson. I'd, I'd say you'd probably go Dak as the next guy, right? You'd probably go Dak at 9, and then, look, it's Watson. It's Watson at 10. If he's not, again, if, if, if like, think about what he could have done last season. and and I know the team or whatever, but let's just put, he's on the Cleveland Browns now. They have a better group around him. There's no suspension. There's nothing holding him back. Deshaun Watson comes in and he's 26 years old. His body is fresh from a year off. Where do you rank him amongst NFL quarterbacks? And I think, He's he's top 10. So if there's any scenario in which Deshaun Watson is not suspended for an entire season, Cleveland Browns might be able to survive this. If Jacoby Brissett holds his own for for the, you know, eight games or whatever that he's going to have to play, and then Watson plays the second half of the season and is the top 10 quarterback that he can be, then why can't they win five of those final, you know, games? And if they win four of the first group first half of games, well, they could win nine games. They were eight and nine last year. They could flip that and go nine and eight this year. Four and four in the first eight games. Five and four in the next nine games. There you go. It's nine and four record. I mean nine and eight record. And maybe good enough to make the playoffs. I just yeah, I'm starting to like come around on this whole you know. Cleveland Browns doomsday scenario. Especially with this hearing taking much longer than expected. I think the longer the hearing takes, the uh, better it is for Deshaun Watson, the less likely it is that it's going to be an entire season. Because I think if it was going to be an entire season, this thing would have wrapped up already. So again, the fact that it's taking a little bit longer, uh, it, I think it's good for Deshaun Watson. Now, this is not my opinion on what should happen. I think he should be suspended for a year. But as far as what I think is going to happen, I'm starting to come around on the idea that maybe it's going to be less than a season. And we could actually see Deshaun Watson play football at some point this year. Well, maybe not this calendar year. Maybe it's like January, but you know what I'm saying? Like maybe at the end of the year, we see Deshaun Watson, whether he gets eight to 10 games or whatever. Um, And let's just say, if that's the case, let's say Watson does miss. uh, We're going to call it, if it's eight games, then he's back for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's back against the Dolphins. On November 13th. If it's 10 games. He's back against the Bucks On November 27th. Or it's the entire season. I'm Scott Sadenberg. You hit me up on Twitter. At Scott's on air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We'll talk about the Cleveland Browns. And uh, their outlook. Without Deshaun Watson. With the talent that they have on this roster. Can they still win games? Can this be a playoff team without Deshaun Watson. We will talk to football scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com coming up next. Chris has worked on staff uh, coincidentally with the Cleveland Browns. He was there uh, with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban all those years ago. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network.
3: This is The Look
4: Ahead on v the Sports Betting Network. Scott Satterberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. Joining me now to talk some football is current football scout, coach, and consultant from LandryFootball.com. He is Chris Landry, always on Twitter, at LandryFootball. And, Chris, let's start with Deshaun Watson. And uh, the hearing is ongoing Um, we're waiting for a decision on a suspension. I think everyone believes that he will be suspended. We'll just find out how long he'll be suspended, if not for a full season. But looking at the Browns roster, how good is this roster? Can this still be a playoff team without Watson?
3: Well, I think they are a good team. I, I mean, I think the offensive line is good, the running game is good, the backs are good. I think the receivers are underrated. You throw in Njuko, that uh, uh, is is really good. I think the defense has got some talent, and um, so I think the team is good. I, I do. I think that I, I see them as a team that, if and they get solid quarterback play, they they can certainly compete, and I think get a A playoff spot. Um, But certainly they signed Deshaun Watson to take them to a different level. And he's capable, you know, he's the guy capable of doing that. I don't think he's going to be available this year. I I don't know. I I think I know that the league has really. and the league is not making the decision. Certainly it's a it's a, a neutral arbitrator, but there's a lot of push for him to be gone for the entire year. We'll we'll see and we'll leave that to them to decide. But let's make the assumption that he's gone for most of the year, if not all of the year. Then I don't know how far Jacoby Brissett can take him. I think he's a functional quarterback. I think he's good enough. To, if you play well around them, which I think they can, they could maybe be a playoff team. Advance in the playoffs, not not so much. But that's the difference I see. And, you know, quite frankly, it's the difference between the team down south in, in Ohio. And, you know, they've got a great receiver, but, a, you know, a great young quarterback that's a difference maker that, that that I think that, you know, it's a good team the Bengals have, but, but Burrow makes them, at a different level, and that's why they went on that run. I don't think the Browns are there yet and won't be there until they find that quarterback, and they hope they've got Deshaun Watson, but we may be waiting to next year for to see the fruits of that.
4: Who's got the best roster in this division
3: right now? Well, I tell you, um, you know, I think the Bengals are very underrated. I think that the Ravens um, – I would probably put the Ravens and the Bengals. I think the Steelers uh, with the youth at quarterback, um, you know, in the Browns, I think it's a good division. I really do. I think the Browns are in the mix. I think you can make the case. But the quarterback situation, I'm taking that question as Deshaun Watson's not on the roster. I mean, Mm -hmm. he may be on the roster, but he's not going to play. So I would would, uh, probably – I think it's four good – Teams, I think it's four good rosters, but I would probably rank it um, because of the quarterback play being so important. I'd give Cincinnati and Baltimore in any order a bit of an edge over Pittsburgh and Cleveland um, with with Cleveland, you know, taking that next step up with Deshaun Watson. And certainly um, you could see, um, you know, Pittsburgh with their rookie quarterback, uh, we'll have to see how – much better they can be um, by years in, but not now. Terry McClure and Chris gets a monster
4: signing bonus, the most for any wide receiver ever. And I know we talk about this when it comes to contracts. A lot of times it's uh, uh, not who you are, but when you are. But are, are you surprised that we are starting to see wide receivers and defensive backs becoming priorities with these teams and getting these big deals?
3: I'm not because – it's a passing game. That's why the quarterbacks make so much. That's the receivers are so important. So if you've got a really good one or a great one, it could make a huge difference. Um, I, I, you know, and I think great pass protectors. Or I mean, I think anything involving the passing game. Then obviously, on the other side, you got to cover them. So, no, I'm I'm not. I mean, you know, the money is continues to be up and up and up. But that's everywhere. That's money going through the roof in terms of the league, in terms of you know what they're able to bring in, and with the salary cap going up and up, um, it's got to go to, got to allocate it to the most important players, and a big play receiver that can dictate coverages and make big time plays for you. Uh, that is of a value that would commensurate today's big money.
4: When you look at uh, some of these new head coaches around the league, um, which one of them has the most pressure on them right now?
3: Well, first year you get a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a pass. Um, But I would say that Denver has the best roster and probably would have the most pressure. I think, there's, you know, going to be time given in Jacksonville, but I think there's there's a lot uh, a lot there. I'll give you another one. I think there's there's going to be pressure in in, uh, in Las Vegas. I think the Raiders. That's mm. a pretty good team. Um, so I would probably say those two teams there has uh, a lot of pressure. I, I'll say this too. I'll give another one where there's a lot of pressure. Uh, I think in Miami, Mike McDaniel. I just think, yeah, I, I think that you know there's expectation that they hired him to fix the quarterback this team can be really good brought in tyree So i would probably as i think about it a little bit more i would probably say miami won denver two as the ones that have uh there's some level of expectation in a first year coach whereas the other first-year guys may have a little bit more wiggle room.
4: Well, talk to me about Tua real quick. What are, what did you notice good and bad from him the last season?
3: Still worry about durability. I still worry about uh, reprogressions being as quick as they need to be. Um, getting him weapons. I, I think when he can set his feet, he's very accurate. I think having a playmaking receiver – like Hill, I'm very curious to see how they'll utilize it. It's great to talk deep ball, and I think you'll certainly have that big in the playbook, and he can throw it there. But I think it's the short underneath, the screen game, that's going to be very, very difficult to defend and I think open things up. So I think the receiving core has improved pretty good. Um, I think there's a lot of expectation for that Dolphins offense this year. Um, so I think I think we'll learn a lot about Tua this year. Uh, but he's basically what I thought he would be coming out of Alabama in that accurate, but I worry about the height, then the, the size in general, and the durability. So those things are still in play.
4: Uh, let's stick in that division. What type of growth are you expecting to see from Mac Jones going into year two?
3: I think a really good one. Uh, I think this team is obviously well coached well prepared <laughs> you know for situational football i think they'll run the ball well i think the defense is good i think mac is is a cerebral guy he understands the game um i, I think he's the guy that that you can't put a team on its back but i think that you play well around him i think he can drip can uh, distribute the football and do it um with good decision making good accuracy i i think that he'll make a um, you know, I thought he played well last year, but I don't think it's a big leap. I just think it's going to be a steady growth for him. That's where I see it.
4: And what about Zach Wilson?
3: Well, that, I'm a little bit more concerned. As Now, that team, I, I really like a lot of the components they put out in the draft. I, I think he's got to settle down, but you're only going to be able to settle him down when you can have more playmakers around him. I think they've done a pretty good job with that. I think we'll see more consistency see i i look at quarterbacks is not the plays that they can make because that's pretty easy to determine the plays they can make but are you the type of guy that's going to make crucial mistakes at the crucial times and why are you are you trying to make a play because your team's not very good are you just not a really good decision maker i mean i think that's what got baker Mayfield in trouble i'm worried a little bit about zach wilson in the same regard But I think the team around him is better, so maybe making more prudent decisions are going to make him take just a little bit of a step up this year.
4: Chris, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk again soon. Hey, thanks, Scott.
3: Appreciate you having me. Take care.
4: There he is, football scout coach and consultant Chris Landry, who has worked on staff with the Cleveland Browns with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. He spent some time in the Tennessee Titans front office as well as uh, some time at LSU. You follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball, and he runs a great football website, LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Satterberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Get back into a little Major League Baseball coming up next. Take a look at the board here for Thursday uh, and, and see if we can pick out any spots we did pick out spots on the show last night that actually did well here on Wednesday, except for the one boss that we had on the play of the day. But the other two plays were fine. Anyway, this is The Look at here on V-CIN, the sports betting network. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. at the DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only, terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Back here on the look ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg on VC, the sports betting network, taking a look at the Major League Baseball board for Thursday. Just let's see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Only eight games on the schedule, a light schedule, and only one day game. There's a lot of day games here on Wednesday, so a lot of teams uh, getting out of town, having the off day on uh, Thursday and then we'll play series coming up on Friday. Uh, The Minnesota Twins will take on the Cleveland Guardians. This is the finale of a uh, four-game set, actually a five-game set. This is a weird, um, this is, you know, happened a lot here in Major League Baseball where the schedule is just really, really awkward. You'll have five-game sets. You'll have um, teams playing just like one game (laughs) against each other. Uh, we've seen it happen. We're going to see it happen here on Thursday with the Yankees and the Red Sox. But anyway, a five-game series between the Guardians and the Twins. The first four games were split. These teams alternated. The Twins won the first game 11-1. to Guardians won the second game 3-2. to Twins won the third game, which was the second game of a doubleheader. They played a doubleheader. That was a 6 nothing win and that the uh, Guardians getting the 7-6 walk-off victory. Josh Naylor with the walk-off home run uh, here on um, Wednesday. So, let's take a look at this game coming up on Thursday. You'll have uh, Chris Archer on the hill for the Twins against Shane Bieber for the Guardians. And I'm seeing Cleveland as high as about a 155 favorite. Eight and a half is the total. I can tell you right now, I lean towards the under. Has nothing to do with these pitchers. It has to do just with the situational spot. It is a getaway spot for the Twins. It's the end of a long five-game set. Uh, I do just think that both these teams on another day game here. And it's like, uh, you know, I I, I usually am a big fade after the doubleheader guy. The doubleheader was on Tuesday on Wednesday, they then play a, uh, a night game. You come back here on Thursday with another day game. I just think the schedule is all messed up for these teams. So uh, I-, I can see this one going under. For Chris Archer, over his last couple of starts, uh, pitched well against Colorado, five shutout innings. Prior to that against Arizona, two runs in four innings. Did only allow uh, one unearned run against Seattle in four innings of work, one run in five innings against the Yankees, and one run in five innings against Detroit. So in the month of June, Chris Archer has thrown 23 innings, has allowed just 13 hits, five runs, four of them earned runs. So he has a 1.57 ERA in the month of June. That is... um, Pretty good for the month of June. Shane Bieber, meanwhile, in uh, his uh, month of June, uh, his last start gave up three runs in seven innings to the Red Sox, two innings to the dot, two runs, uh, three runs, excuse me, two of them earned, six and a third to the Dodgers, three runs in six and two-thirds to Colorado, four and a third shutout against Texas, two runs in seven innings against Baltimore. In 31 and a third innings in June, he has allowed 28 hits and 11 runs, a 2.87 ERA. I don't like laying the price here with the Guardians. The only way that I would look at this game would probably be the under. That's my lean for this game with these two pitchers, these two teams. Don't like the uh, any side. Maybe the plus money with the Twins, but that, that yeah, I don't know. Uh, Braves take on the Phillies and this is a spot where Philly's got to avoid a sweep here. The Braves have been so hot in the month of June. What are that was it? 21 and 5 or something like that in the month of June for the Braves. Yep, 21 and 5. They have closed the gap now on the New York Mets. They trail the Mets by just 3 games in the National League East. And I'll tell you what I know that the the the, the Bra- that the the Braves are getting real hot right now, but I feel like I'm I feel like I want the Braves to keep winning because as the Braves keep winning, the number on the Mets to win this division is going to go down. And with Max Scherzer coming back, and then eventually Jacob deGrom, the Mets will have the edge in the second half of the season. But there's no denying the Braves are playing at the top of their game right now. Look at what the updated odds are. Right now we're seeing the Mets still as the favorite to win the division. And I get 165 is the lowest number I can find on them. You see it up on the screen at 215. You could shop around. I got, I'm got. i seeing 165. And the Braves plus 200, that's a better number than on this book. I see Braves at 160. But this is, this is the point I'm trying to make. If the Braves keep winning, the Mets number goes down. And then I think that you can... I think 165 is a good number to bet on the Mets to win this division. But I actually like, I think the number is going to get even lower as the Braves keep winning. Now, some people would look at the opposite and say, this is the time now to buy in on the Braves. No, the time into the time to buy in on the Braves was was before the month of June, before the 14-game winning streak. Because plus 200 or less, you lost all the value on the Braves. Another the time actually is to buy in on the Mets is this number. You know, the Braves, if the Braves sweep the Phillies here and they're two and a half games back in the Mets going into July, time to buy in on the Mets. But the Phillies send Aaron Nola to the Hill. Uh, they're minus 150 favorites. They're looking to avoid the sweep. So um, it's, it's a, you know, it's a it's a desperate spot for Philadelphia. They can't drop further and further here in this race. And Aaron Noah's been great. I mean, we want to talk about the month of June. Aaron Noah has thrown 36 innings in the month of June. He's allowed 27 hits and only eight runs. He has a 2.0 ERA in the month of June. And and this is the, like you know, the month of June is a good measuring stick for, for pitchers because right now, They've had some time to build up their arm strength. They, they're kind of they're, they're fully stretched out. This is this is them pretty much at their best now over the next month or so. Well, the month of June, July will be split up with the All-Star break, and then they'll go through the end of July and August. For Ian Anderson, who gets the start for the Braves, uh, in the month of June, Ian Anderson 26 and two thirds innings pitched. 31 hits, so more than a hit per inning. 15 runs, an ERA of 5.06. The Braves, though, are 4-1 and one in Ian Anderson's starts in the month of June. But then again, the Braves are winning every game in the month of June. Like I said, they're 21-5. So everybody that starts is going to be likely to get a win uh, for the Atlanta Braves. But Eileen Phillies here, as good as Atlanta has played, Uh, I think it's a a good spot for Philly to try and avoid the sweep. We know the importance of that and uh, just the difficulty of closing out teams. So I think Philly does avoid the sweep. And with Aaron Nola on the hill, I give them the advantage. I gave you the numbers. He has just been so, so good in this month of June. You got the Yankees and the Astros playing a one-game set in Houston. Just one game. Just one game. Yankees, minus 125 on the road. Luis Severino and Luis Garcia. We talked to Greg Peterson about this earlier, and he leaned the under. He also liked the Astros. I do like the Astros, but it's so hard betting against the Yankees because they're one swing away from changing the game. Look, they were down 3-0 here on Wednesday in the top of the first inning. One swing of the bat, Aaron Judge makes it 3-2. One more swing of the bat, two innings later, and the Yankees are up five to three. So I don't—I honestly think that Greg leans under. I think the under is the play. Both the Yankees and the Astros are under teams this year. We'll take a look at the pitching matchup though coming up next, and go through the rest of the Major League Baseball board here for Thursday. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scotts on air. S C O T T S O N A I R. This is the look ahead. Here on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: Our podcast. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Scott Satterberg back here with you. This is
0: the look ahead here on BeSin, the sports betting network. Attention, all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me, once again, is the one and only Jeff Dye.
4: always on Twitter, at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Uh, I said we were going to take a look at the pitching matchup here between Luis Severino and Luis Garcia as the Yankees take on the Astros on Thursday night in a spot where I like the under. And uh, for Luis Garcia, for the Astros, uh, in the month of June, we're at a 4.84 ERA, um, 22 innings pitch, 22 and a third, 20 hits, 12 runs allowed uh, in all of these starts. I mean, oof, these numbers don't look good. Three starts in five, three runs in five innings, two runs in six innings, five runs in four innings, two runs in seven innings. So not a great month of June for Luis Garcia. Uh, meanwhile, for Luis Severino uh, in the month of June, has a 3.38 ERA, 24 innings pitched, 16 hits, 9 runs allowed, 3 runs against Houston the last time out in 6 innings, but uh, it was the first 5 that was great for him. The uh, Yankees lost that game 3-1. to one. Uh, 5 runs allowed in 5 innings against Toronto, 6 innings, 1 run ball against Chicago, and 7 innings of shutout ball against Detroit. So, um, you know, just thinking about both of these teams, I think it could be a tightly contested game. And, you know, the bullpens, man, that's the difference, right? The bullpens, because the Yankees and the Astros, two of the best bullpens in all of Major League Baseball. How about that? Two of the top bullpens in all of baseball. Uh, Let's take a look now at the uh, rest of the board as we progress here. Uh, Let's see, where are we? Let's go to the next game, which will be the Brewers and the Pirates. All right. We got Adrian Hauser against JT Brubaker. JT Brubaker, tough season so far, a 1-7 record, a 4.14 ERA, and pitching to it in the month of June, a 4.13 ERA. So he's kind of a guy that is just just—he's um, playing to the back of his baseball card, as they say. Uh, that's what you know when the guy is just doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Adrian Hauser, a 4.5 ERA overall this, se- this uh, season. He has been worse in the month of June, though. A 5.86 ERA here in the month of June, 27 and two thirds innings pitched, 18 runs allowed on 33 hits, five runs in his last start allowed. I mean, look at this his last f- uh, four starts. Five runs, three runs, four runs, five runs. Yuck. Adrian Hauser. Maybe there's an overplay here with both of these pitchers. Total is eight and a half between the Pirates and the Brewers. Yeah, maybe this is an over or a first five over between both of these teams. Uh, Here's a spot that I really, really love. There's no line out on this game just yet. But if I had to... If I had to guess right now what my play of the day would be without knowing what my play of the day is going to be on Thursday, it'll probably be the Rays in some aspect against the Blue Jays. Rays take on the Blue Jays in Toronto. Yusei Kikuchi is scheduled to get the start for Toronto. This guy is terrible. Literally, I, I I faded him the last time uh, he started. And what did I tweet out last time he started? All right. So the last time he started, I did the Yankees and Blue Jays. First five innings, this was not the last time he started. This was uh maybe, no, was it? What did I do here? Yeah, you know what? I bet against him the last the several times he started. Like I said, he's becoming the next Joanna Dome. So this was the tweet that I sent uh, the last time that he started. I said, um, it's a complete pitching mismatch, right? It was Corbin Burns against uh, Yusei Kikuchi. I said, Kikuchi hasn't shown the ability to complete five innings, let alone keep opponents off the scoreboard. His hard hit rate is insane. He walks too many, and he gives up homers. The Brewers should tee off. Well, the Brewers scored five runs on six hits, two home runs in just two innings off of Yusei Kikuchi. That was easy. Prior to that, Kikuchi goes just four innings, gives up three runs to the Yankees, uh, four runs in uh, four innings. Let, Let me just lay this out to you. In the month of June... He has a 9.39 ERA. He's only pitched 15 and a third innings in the month of June, and he is allowed 19 runs. He is allowed, when I talk about his hard hit rate, right? And he's got like the worst in baseball. Right now, <laughs> um, Kikuchi in the month of June allowed nine home runs in. 15 and a third innings. And that is just insane. The worst, let's see, looking at the worst barrel percentage in baseball. So we're talking about the guy that gets squared up the most. Like when, when they pitch, they are just hitting the sweet spot of the bat. Just way too much. Roni Garcia of the Tigers. Zach Logue of the A's. Mike Miner of the Reds, Bruce Zimmerman of the Orioles, uh, Eliezer Hernandez of the Marlins, and Yusei Kikuchi. Yusei Kikuchi is just um, man. This is this is brutal. The hard hit percentage he has a fifty point six hard hit percentage. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, eighth worst, eighth worst in all of baseball. I mean, he just gets hit hard, way, way too much. And man, he let's see, what's his uh, sweet spot percentage? It's terrible. Launching. I mean, yeah, he's just he's a liability. I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's the Rays in the first five innings. I'm thinking a Rays team total, maybe. Thinking this Rays offense can score, you know, three, uh, I mean, four runs, five runs. Probably going to be four and a half on the team total, but against Kikuchi, I mean, you can get four and a half in the first inning. Anyway, let's move on. Reds take on the Cubs. Graham Ashcraft who has been pretty good this season. Four and one with a three two seven ERA. He takes on Kyle Hendricks. Hendricks three and six with a four nine ERA. Uh, Hendricks in the month of June a four point one five ERA. And for Graham Ashcraft and the Reds, who I'd much rather bet at home, but uh, for Ashcraft of the Reds a three point eight two ERA in the month of June. So uh, keep an eye on you know this game and keep an eye on the weather. Weather at Wrigley, always important. There is no total posted for this game. And let's see, the early weather. Let's see if I can find the good weather report for the ballpark here. At Wrigley, coming up for the game time. Looks like 12.9 mile-per-hour winds blowing out to center field. And then going down to 12.3, then 11.5. So wind is blowing out at Wrigley for this game. Could be an overplay. Uh A's take on the Mariners. It's going to be Logan Gilbert against uh Adrian Martinez um, for Gilbert. Um this season eight and three with a two four four ERA. So Gilbert's been very good for the Mariners. They are minus two twenty five in this start. And then the game that I think is just incorrectly priced right now is the uh Joe Musgrove for the Padres against Mitch White and Joe Musgrove with Sandy Alcantara. The top two in the Cy Young race in the National League. Yet the Dodgers are minus 125 in this game against the Padres. Total is eight. I think the Padres, yeah, I know. They're obviously um, hurt. No Machado, I get it but just on the sh- on the on the strength of of Joe Musgrove right maybe a Padres first 5 innings or, or something like that cuz uh man uh, getting a little bit of plus money with arguably the second best pitcher in the National League you almost can't pass that up coming up this morning on follow the money um let's see the uh guys will be joined by Paul Stone professional handicapper 7:45 a.m. eastern time Uh, Mike Dettelier from uh, SaintsReport.com will join the program at 8.30. Joey Chestnut, yes, the champ, the holder of the mustard belt himself. will preview the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest at 9 a.m. And then Brian Geltzauer, Sirius XM NBA Radio at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up at Scott's On Air. This is The Look Ahead here on v